Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Just when I mentioned punishment exercises. We've all been there. (laughs) Well, this is the thing. I like to pride myself on the fact that I never, ever got a punishment exercise, a punny, in my whole school career, which, yeah, I don't know what that means. I do a bit <laughs> of um, TA work as an in-between job and cover teaching, and I've worked in, as a cover supervisor, which is something you can't really do in Scotland because I don't have a teaching qualification. Mm-hmm. So I just turn up a bit like Jack Black in School of Rock. <laughs> Essentially. Or what I like to imagine as well, like you were asking me about pronouncing my name there. You've seen uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yes. You know when um, <laughs> Frank Abagnale Jr., Leonardo DiCaprio, decides to take the class mm-hmm. and he just stands up and he writes on the board, Abagnale, and he goes, not Abagnale, not Abagnale. Yeah, anyway, brilliant. <laughs> That's what I'm like. I'm just completely winging it. But I tell them about punishment exercises. Right. So it's not a thing now? No, it's down, I mean, down here, it's all like conducts and stuff like that, which I never got. It was all like, you know, where's your conduct card? And you got... Oh, and yeah, then, we had them as well. I remember, well, not me, obviously, because I was good at two Because you were very good. People, people having cards that had to be signed at the end of the lesson. Like, I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't having them all the time. I was just, <laughs> uh, as you can imagine, I was slightly, um, I was uh, very outspoken in my class. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. And I will say that I'm speaking to the lovely Stuart McChain. Hello. Yes. And we've just discussed the fact. So obviously on this podcast, like I speak to a lot of people that I do know. And that's initially where it kind of started. You know, people that I've worked with, been lucky enough to collaborate with. But um, through the joy of having a podcast, people then like to recommend amazing people, which is great for me. And a friend recommended you. And then I was like, I know Stuart. But we can't really figure out what it is. And there's probably our paths have crossed at some point. Yeah. I mean, if you've worked on those shows and I've seen, I've seen two or th- I think I've seen three of them actually. Mm. Um, surely it would have just been like, oh, hello. But it wouldn't be like you to be in an audience much because you'll be on the other side. You'll be on the stage more often than not, I would imagine, Stuart McChain, because you are an actor, musician, voiceover artist and stunt choreographer. Well, I, I like to um, I like to um, cause a scene, yeah. No, I, I, I do. I like my sword fighting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was watching some videos. Awesome, man. Love it. Oh, I know. That's, that's, a lo- that's great. That started, I mean, I've always... Remember the good old days when, when you just picked up sticks? <laughs> that's, you know... I just remember when you could just go about with a stick in your hand when you were like five. <laughs> that was me. And then going to drama school and all that and got into sword fighting. And, Amazing. And it's like, great. I'm, I'm, I'm back in Argyle with my stick in my with hand. With a stick. But totally. this time it's metal. And I'll pretend <laughs> to kill you. Yes. All very exciting. Yes. So I'm going to ask you a question, and this is a bit of a random one to start the podcast, but... Mm-hmm. Um, just like obviously I relate all those amazing things that you can do and you do so well, you know, that kind of um, idea of being a triple threat. I mean, I feel like you're more than a triple threat. But, but I'm not t- really a dancer. so hmm. Well, well, I think if you can do the stunt choreography, you yeah. definitely are a dancer, for sure. I can but move. You can, sir. You can. I've seen you. Do you think that's 
important in the industry that you're in to be able to do a bit of everything? Yeah, definitely. I think that you have to diversify and add as many strings to the bows as possible, which I mm. can fire nowadays because I can. No, um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, fire. Oh goodness, my friend would kill me for saying that. You let loose. You don't oh, fire. Do you oh, you do not. You, you can let... shoot an arrow, but you cannot fire it, for there is no explosion. Of course. Well, right. Okay. So acting, obviously, first and foremost, and music are like my. Yeah. They're my things that I've always, yeah. I've always loved and. I've been doing since I was a wee boy, but um, fighting, dancing, anything that you can add, voiceover work, just, just you've got to diversify, especially at the moment as well. If you can find some way of trying to make a bit more money, try to help out other people, do all these things. Yeah. So you've got to have as much, as many skills as possible so people can cast you. But you, you're obviously seeing the acting and music was your kind of first love. Do you come from a family that are into no. the arts? No, right, okay. None of them, not not a wow. soul. It's uh, none of them are musical. I started off, if we go way way back, I oh, way back. <laughs> so, I grew up in Argyll, on the west coast of Scotland. Um, I from a tiny little village called Furness. Okay, oh, which right. is outside Inverary. Yeah. which is sort of more where I live now when I go back home in the areas mm. where my mum is and everything. And um, there was nobody in the primary school. It's tiny. I mean, when I was there, there was about 20-odd. Nowadays, there's about six in the whole school. So wow. very, very small. Yeah. My, cl- my class, my year had maybe six or seven people in it. So when we all went to secondary school, that was like half the school, gone, you know? <laughs> like We had a big year. Um <laughs> There were six of them. That was two tables because everyone was taught in the same classroom. Yeah. Ah. Each each year was on a different table, essentially. Wow. Wow. And uh, being in a remote, I say Highlands, it's not quite Highlands. It's obviously Argyle, but it's of similar, um, yeah, heritage. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of Gaelic. Yeah. And so I started off singing Gaelic in a Gaelic choir. thing about me, though, is I can't really speak it. Right. So, But I can sing it. So I used to like... I used to have like the Gaelic version, which mm-hmm. I could barely read at the time. I'd have my like phonetically, you know, helpful yes. Gaelic, and then I'd have what it meant because our the minister would come in and teach you. So it was always about singing, really, from about four, and I was competing in mods, which are like yeah. Gaelic festivals, yeah, mm. up and down the um, Scotland, and um, it was all about all about that. So I wasn't really playing anything. Until later on in primary school, there was dabblings in certain things. But it was secondary school when you suddenly it was like, oh, yeah, what's that? It's a guitar. Oh, a drum kit. Oh, what? Oh, trumpet. Oh, yeah, keyboard. Yeah. And so, it looks to me like you've just collected all of those instruments I've in kept your them, house right now. You've just literally going. shown me Absolutely. like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all <laughs> like there. The whole shebang there. The whole literally shebang. One man band. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Cover all bases. Yes. Yeah. So it was always singing and music at mm. first because. It wasn't until I was a teenager that when I'm one once I'm started going to secondary school that I started going to these they're not even amateur dramatics. They are, but they're so small, I don't even know if yes. you'd even call them that. So was it at high school that you just then totally immersed yourself in the music music, you know, music department? Yeah. Definitely music that was um what took over. Yeah, it was I had some very talented friends, so I just copied them really. Um <laughs> so I never really had any lessons on any of the instruments that I play. I, I got lessons on a trumpet 
you know, you learn a clarinet or your flute or, mm. you know, I was, I had them for a wee bit and I was in the local wind band for a while, but I wasn't that good at it. Not really. I could play, I can play by ear more than anything. So I was working it out. And when I look back on it now, and I was saying earlier that I taught, I've t- worked in secondary schools and things. Yeah. I worked in the music department for about six months off and on in one secondary school down here. And it was a completely different ball game. And I don't know if, where I went was especially unique, maybe because it's a bit smaller, but, you know, Loch Gilpid High School still got 500-odd pupils. It's not tiny, tiny. Yeah. But yeah. my music department, you went in, each kid had their own keyboard. That was like your desk, okay? And it was permanently set up. I don't know if you were the same or not. No. No. Not, not as privileged as that. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I don't know why, because it's not like a wealthy or rich school or anything like that, but maybe it's just... We had a really good music teacher, yeah. I guess. So we all had our own keyboard. So when you went into the keyboard room, that was your desk. You got your music, you sat down and you played. And that was you for the whole lesson. And then she would just yeah. go around and listen to you all. And then at the end, she would tell everyone to take out their headphones and we'd all play together. Likewise, there was lots of guitars and there was a drum kit. But she never really showed us the drum kit or the guitar. That was all me and my friends going, did you hear that Foo Fighters song last night? <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, and also before, it was back in the day where we didn't go on the internet. We'd go down to the local RS McCall's and none of us could afford magazines really. But you, what you do is we'd go right to the right to the back where all the magazines were and you'd find the guitar magazines and you'd find the tabs and you'd mm-hmm. just be writing them down on, on a bit of pencil. Love it. Like, oh, how'd you play it? Oh, oh, right, Californication, zero, three, five, one, four. And then you'd go away, learn that, come back the next day. Someone would have nailed it. And then kind of taught the rest of us. And then, so yeah, it was all just jamming. Ah, and just that, obviously, that thirst for knowledge, like just we want to be able to play these exciting instruments. Absolutely, because you're listening to it all the time, just constantly listening to music growing up. And um, yeah, so being able to replicate it. And then that's when you started joining the bands. So, can you remember any of the bands that you were at school? What, what did you call them? They've, they always had a name, obviously. You had to find well, the appropriate name. Yeah, there was like Control and nice. there was uh, oh, some really weird ones. Like, <laughs> oh, what were we called? Sprint Read. Because Biffy Clyro, because apparently when they, when they first, so this is when they first came out. This is like, way, way, way back, before they were popular and stuff, you know. <laughs> They're apparently called Biffy Clyro because of a pen, a biro called Cliff. It had a Cliff Richard on it. Well, that's right. this is one of the rumours why they're called that. Right, okay, cool. So we, we would have heard that once upon a time back in, I don't know, 2003 or something. <laughs> and um, gone, oh, we could do something like that. And I remember this boy looking around the room and he saw something that said print speed. And he was like, why don't we call ourselves What's it? Sprint read, and I was like, "Yeah, but it's not even." It's not even. <laughs> so we were called that for a while, but cool. then that that manifested into the Lemmings. So I was in a wee band called the Lemmings for a while, which was a lot of fun. And, and were you playing drums? I was on the drums. Yeah. So when I eventually left Loch Gilpeed uh, and moved to Glasgow, I was in a band, which was nice. Wow. But that took a wee while because I didn't know what to do because, as I said, I was from such a small place. And nobody was going, this is how you get into acting and yeah. music. You know, it was, we're all UCAS 
babies is that's what i feel anyway it's literally like our school used to be like who's filled out their ucas forms everyone hands up right you lot come with me who hasn't and there's like three or four left it'd be like oh you guys just read a book it was literally like if you (laughs) it was like if you didn't fill out your ucas you were just Ah. knocked away did you fill in that ucas form yeah for a wee while i was like well i don't know what to do so i'll probably go and study geography Right. <laughs> or something at Glasgow Uni and I, I did apply to um one music course at Strathclyde Uni mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get in but I only discovered that because I went to a, a band camp one summer how very American how very American some <laughs> some person came to the remote parts of Scotland and um he was from the National Youth Jazz Orchestra of Scotland and they were looking for people to to join. And I got some sort of scholarshipy thing. I mean, it wasn't mega bucks, but because it was just a couple of weeks in the summer, but mm. went away to Strathallan. Yes. Very posh school up in Perth, mm. Sherway. And they were all people who went to like Strathclyde Uni and did like applied music or jazz or whatever. Right. So I applied to that. I was considering the Royal Scottish Academy for music but I was like ah, I just don't know and I remember moaning about it in the weeks building up to it all this is like something a film one of these moments where like um this supply teacher had come from Glasgow from the city oh, from the big metropolis so from the city what's this city man and uh <laughs> he uh, he was like have you considered acting because I think we were reading The Devil's Disciple, yeah, George Bernard Shaw. That's like, like you going into the high school now, is like that Jack Black. Yeah, that person just obviously inspired something. But I was a bit like, how? I don't know. what like, And it was just so far away and inaccessible. And as I said, nobody in my family done anything like that. Like, none of my friends, I had, I had no like peers who were like, oh yeah, no. I so I was like, the only place I really knew about was the Royal Scottish Academy. I was like, well, there's no way I'm getting in there. That's like, big guns have been there, you know? The, this teacher was like, well, you don't have to go straight to the degree. You can get a college, an HND. So I went to Stowe College. Yes. You were like, geography, meh, let's go to college and we'll see. I mean, as I said, this the geography thing was, I liked it a lot. But as I said to you, we were just UCAS kids. It was literally like, you need to go to uni, you need to fill out your, what are you going to do? When you're like 16 and somebody's going, what do you want to do for the rest of life? And you've had like, literally, I mean, I don't know, did you do um, work experience with your school? Oh, I feel like I've hit a nerve. <laughs> yes, I did. I could tell you, I could tell you what I did and I could tell you um, it was, <laughs> so like, okay, typical me, right? I mm-hmm. wanted to maybe go to a music shop or something, but they don't yeah. exist where I'm from. So <laughs> you had to, they don't. So I can't explain how small it is where I'm from. I'm, you know, I was going to say, you're not really selling. It's beautiful. It's, it it, is if you want mountains and you want loch. It's not guitars. I'm literally on the banks of Loch Fine. That's where I grew up, okay? beautiful. However, if you want to do anything interesting <laughs> that doesn't involve mountains or the sea. Fine. Right, so I was like, right, I want to go to a music shop. And there was another boy in my school who wanted to go to a music shop and he had a, a uncle in Glasgow and so did I. So I was like, well, maybe I can arrange and da-da-da. Anyway, didn't work and I took too long because I was worrying about it. 
So there was only <laughs> there was only one place left on the list. So I went to a, a salmon fish farm in a place called Akahoish, which is a it looks it's a very pretty place actually. It's um further down in Kintyre. It looks over Jura. You can see like oh, perhaps your goodness, right? fish farming though. Yeah. <laughs> I was up at like of- six in the morning every day getting a bus with all of these people from just just literally I was just this wee sixteen year old boy, I had no idea. I had a big head of hair on me at the time because you know that was really cool and 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 I was in with these like proper uh, so I went away to a fish farm every morning and worked. I worked like I bet you didn't. <laughs> it was quite interesting. So each day I was in um a different part of the fish farm. So maybe I'd be in uh cleaning one day, which mm. was literally just cleaning empty tanks and the amount of dead fish, waste, you like when they drain one of these these tanks are humongous. I was in like a lab for a couple of times, a couple of days, like taking tests, sampling, brood stock, which is where they do all the breeding, which was an interesting one. I um, I had to once get in a tank with a whole bunch of them and they're huge salmon. Male salmon are massive. Um, Sometimes you feel like these people in like the work experience placements are just like, like what can we get him to do? Oh, it's... <laughs> You have no idea. You're like, hey, everybody gets in the tank. That's just that's what it felt like. To be fair, I was in the tank with a couple other people, but I was really because they were like, you you know, you have to put on a dry suit. Yes. Which of course makes you like a a jelly baby in the water, and all the air rushes from your feet straight up to your neck. So then, of course, you float and you fall backwards, and you're 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 floundering about the place. Well, you've got these salmon that are well over a meter long, and they've got an underbite on them. The male salmon's have got this. Like so yeah. they've got like an inch and a half, two inches of thick. That they don't feel anything that, and they swim into you. They can give you dead legs. They can slap you about. So I was in the, I was in this huge, and I say tank. I mean like you know these big drums that are yes. twenty feet wide and forty feet tall, and you have to climb into the ladders. You know, so I was all over the place. I was, yeah, I had, I had an experience. And you'd go back to school the following week or whatever, and everyone's like, I went to the co-op. And like, or I went to my dad's law law firm or whatever it is, and and I got battered by salmon. But there you go. There you go. I'm so glad to ask you that question. Oh, I I wasn't expecting to go down that route. Funnily enough, my brother has since worked in the fish farms, even though that's not what he does now. But uh, he hated he hates fish as well. He doesn't even like eating it. But he ended up he ended up getting the one job, <laughs> the one job in the fish farm that actually requires you to eat fish. Because in his interview, they're like, oh, do you like fish? And he's like, ah, I love it. <laughs> and uh, he was a quality controller. So he, was, <laughs> he had to like, eat them and make sure they were like 100% amazing. So anyway. So that uh, definitely cemented not you. Not going to a fish farm. Not going to a fish farm and going to Stoke College. It cemented like I need to not be an Argyle if I want to do mm-hmm. anything that doesn't involve fish or driving lorries or kind of hotels or things, you know, because it's there's, it's very limited. Yeah, I, I I wanted to get out. All my friends were doing it. It was all about going to Glasgow and studying or Edinburgh or whatever. So I moved to Glasgow. I lived in the West End and uh, I lived I lived in this lovely flat, a beautiful flat that was kind of sold to me in the fact that it was in the West End. And mm. out one window, you could see, kind of see the back of the Botanic Gardens, but out the other, you could see Mary Hill. So it was like... 
Oh, very nice. It was really nice. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, that's where I was. And uh, I went to Stowe and I did, I've winged like everything in my life. Like every single thing. I don't, I'm just such a jammy. Well, you say this. I've got, I've got. (laughs) I'm sorry. You say this, but you are a very talented person. So there's winging it. And we talk about this in the podcast quite a lot, like that kind of what is luck and what is hard work and talent and all that kind of stuff. But I think you're selling yourself short in the terms of like, oh, I just turned up and things happen. I'm no. certainly a jack of all trades, but like you get people who are so good at one thing and I don't think I am so good at one thing, apart from obviously just like being myself, like, which I think is a big part of it. You've got to have a wee bit of, not X factor, but like some sort of charisma, passion. Anyway, I turn up to Stowe for my acting audition and I I do my wee whatever it was I can't even remember what I did some monologue but I don't know where I would have found that because I'm from where I'm from I had no like advice it was yes. I, I probably did something like a film like I really don't know which is something that I wouldn't go anywhere near nowadays like you wouldn't go oh, I'm going to do a monologue from um uh, Pulp Fiction or whatever <laughs> anyway and then it was like oh can you sing and I was like yes oh you might as well do musical theatre then. Uh-huh. So I did that, which essentially, <laughs> well, once you're there, you go, hang on a minute. They just needed boys, really. That was essentially it. That's how it felt. I did musical theatre, but was always at the back of the class with the dancing because I was always a bit like... However, I like partner dancing. Do you? I'm quite into that because, well, growing up where I'm from, I'm I'm very good at Kayleys. In fact, I did I did country dancing as a kid. So what I was saying I did Gaelic choirs, but the other there was the three thing. things that took over Furness Primary School. Loch Fineside Junior Gaelic Choir, which is the wee choir, which had about seventy percent of the school in it, so there was about ten of us. There was uh the country dancing troupe, which is different to Kayleigh dancing and different yes. to Highland dancing. It's set dances, yeah. Yes. Very well, similar. Uh and the Shinty. Yes. So uh. And I did shinty f- until I was about 13, 14. Cool. Which is, if anyone doesn't know, it's aggressive <laughs> hockey. <laughs> it's it's running about like football, hitting a slightly longer hockey stick, smacking it off a huge, really hard, really hard leathery ball, swinging it though like a golf club as opposed to, you know, hockey is like, only a certain height, really, you yeah, do it. That's right, yeah. So it's pretty lethal. I've got some good scars on my knees. Uh, but, oh. Yeah, 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 because of Shinty. Anyway. Again, like, you were like triple threat at Furnace Primary. Do you know what I mean? It's just because <laughs> there's nothing to do, and that's what you did. The you, theme, you, you, did you did the stuff, you know? So, mm. um, where was I? I was talking about uh, Stowe College. Doing the power. about dancing. Aye, so I was hiding at the back. But I like my acting and I like my singing. In terms of singing, I... I did. I ended up taking a bit of a back step. I was a wee. I got a wee bit self conscious about singing when I was there. I don't know why, and it certainly became one of these things where, like, if there was anything to do or any bigger parts, it was. I knew who would get them, so it kind of felt a bit like, ah, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah. If it was acting, though, I was always up there doing it all. But with singing, I ended up getting a wee bit like, ooh, I don't really feel like putting myself forward for any of these things, which is interesting. I don't know what developed there, but mm. something did. Funny the stories you tell yourself as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just you get just, something in your head, and then yeah. you just decide that's a thing. I think, I mean, like I can sing, but I, I certainly don't consider it something that I'm exceptional at anymore. I think I was much better when I was younger, 
but it's still I had I had a lovely time and it was a nice it was a nice place to be. Um, it was certainly a wee bit rough around the edges and a wee bit sort of it felt a bit like uh, what are we doing <laughs> like <laughs> what's going on. There were some lovely teachers though, some absolute legends, mm-hmm. people who I still keep in touch with now actually. But whilst I was there, I was in my band, The Lemmings, which was taken yeah. over a lot of my brain power and I really enjoyed that and to the point where I was like this is this is kind of what I want to do I'd still want to act but I do really like the music and I love playing drums and you know we were playing all the usual venues in Glasgow we were an unsigned indie band in 2006 in Glasgow it was banging you know it was it was the good old days of like we'd do the circuit like box nice and sleazy king tuts um abc classic grand we even played the battlelands uh, twice wow. um yeah we were having a great time and like always always like oh we are we gonna get signed and the people come and then it wouldn't work and da 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 and but really enjoy myself so i left Stowe, going what do you do now and a lot of my f- i say a lot a couple of my friends tried to go to drama schools in london off the back of Stowe, but didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Remember some of them being like, "Oh, this is not, don't want to, don't want to go down south anyway." What's the point? And you're like, mm, "You might, you might need to, or try and go to the Royal Scottish." But no, not many people were applying to go to that. I was like, "Oh, I'm happy in my band, but I needed a job." So I was working for Scottish Power <laughs> and go. investigating vacant buildings and and billing the person who owned it. Ooh. I know, eh? and I was working as an extra. Yes, because this is where you thought we might have met. But as I said to you, I've only done one extra job before. And uh, I was like, everybody watch it. You'll see me in this scene. And yeah, it was the back of my head. But as I said, you know, the curly hair. Oh, it's it's iconic. I mean, it's not like anybody could say that I lied, that I was in a BBC drama. You just didn't get to see my actual face when I was doing all the acting. Doing all the acting. You're doing back acting. You're acting. I was. I was. was. Yeah. Yeah, so I was working as an extra. It was great. You and must have done so many different, unusual, weird amount of things. Um, Taggart. Yeah. Taggart, back then. Uh, River City, a couple of adverts, even a Lemmy show. Oh, cool. That was fun. And again, once I moved to London, I came back and did a couple of things. I did World War Z, World War Z, whatever. Did you know? Uh, that, was, that was two weeks of running. Just running. <laughs> Literally run. If you can't do it, run. <laughs> and that they, they basically created organised chaos. So I was there for a couple of weeks and annoyingly, I actually auditioned for a part and mm-hmm. I got it. I don't even know if he would have, would he have had a line? He might have had a line. Uh, I certainly had a line in the script, but I, I, it's not in the film at all, this this scene. And it was essentially, I was going to be working in a cafe and uh, I was meant to be serving someone. And then I see a couple of people run by. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I was to open up the door, look out, see the horde of zombies, shut the door and be like, everyone at the back type thing so i auditioned for that got it amazing i knew when they were filming in glasgow and then it came to that point and we still haven't heard anything a week go by two weeks go by three weeks go by and i'm like oh for goodness sake and then i got a phone call saying oh they've cut the scene do you still want to be an extra though can you run well they i wish they did say that. like how's your running because you'll never stop <laughs> uh so i was at the back of george square towards buchanan street and i had to run from there cut across diagonally George Square to get on, I guess, George Street, run down towards where, remember where Campus East used to be? Remember yes. Campus? With Strathclyde Uni. So run right down that road. Do that. 
several, several, like so many times a day for about two weeks. Gosh, it must be so, as a fiddle. Oh man, it was. And what ended up happening is there was a wee pile of a wee group of us who were like the faster ones. So we would go right at the back, and we got this wee reputation with one of the the runners or the assistant, one of the one of the hundreds of assistant directors, because these guys. There was like a director on every corner of these streets because it was such a huge job. There was about yeah. there was about two or three hundred people down each street, and they would literally just be like, "Right, you guys, we want you to run down here. We want you to cut across there, down that road." Meanwhile, there's another assistant director doing the same thing to another group of two hundred people street, on yeah. another street, going, "I want you guys to run down there, take a right, go there, take a left, ready, action." Because they've got them, they've got their megaphones, and it was just running. It was amazing, but what an experience! And of course, there was dancers and a- actual athletes dressed up as zombies. So there was a, like a row of them behind us. So th- we essentially ran first, then they ran. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. This thing. So like one day, for example, there was a helicopter filming it. So you'd be running about with this helicopter flying overhead. There was another day where. Uh, they had a couple of guys on wires, right? Like stunt zombies and stuff. Aye, aye, so, aye. so you'd be running next to some dude, like, oh, run! Like, how's it going? The next minute, you just go Woof, and go flying against a van, yes. and you'd be like, "What's going on?" Were you not secretly wanting to be a zombie, though? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, yeah. do you know what I mean? I mean, there was even a day where they had a SWAT team <laughs> extras. Uh, they came hurtling around the corner and get to the ground and start shooting blanks at us which is so loud in a city it's literally like ricocheting off buildings he's not and uh it was really funny though because we're meant to be in philadelphia because it's apparently glasgow looks like philadelphia and apparently it's cheaper to shut down the whole city center of glasgow than it is to pretend to anyway to film in philadelphia so we're running at this SWAT team with there's zombies behind us and everyone's like, move, 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 move. And there's this one wee guy going, out the road. <laughs> this wee extra, he's like the SWAT, clearly forgot he's meant to be in Philadelphia. Brilliant. Get down, move, get out of the way. Out the road, pal, got to get a wee shot at that zombie. <laughs> it was amazing. And there's these vehicles, you know, like in the David Attenborough programs where they're they're filming, you know, lions and the Serengeti and they've got these Jeeps with the big boom, yes. big boom with the camera, the steady cam. They had all that. It was exciting. It was such a ridiculous job. Yeah, of course. So I was an extra. <laughs> Love that. I mean, you're a professional actor now, but even in that scenario, you must have just been like, this is why oh, I want to do this. Amazing. This is why I want to be in the mix. Absolutely like, I want incredible. to do this it as is- a job. <laughs> it, it is amazing. And um, I got a wee part when I was an extra. It was in a, a Scottish docudrama called Scots at War. And I had a wee monologue. It was on STV. And I did please myself because it was actual telly telly, you know. And the director was really nice. And he was like, you should go to drama school. You're very good. Right. So I was like, ah, what, what, I don't know. And um, I remember trying to figure out what to do and going back to the whole like, applying and it costs a fortune like just auditioning at the time it's probably gone up now but at the time it was like 45 quid just to audition you know I applied to the the rsmd but most of them are in london so yeah. you're flying you're staying yeah. over so it's like 300 pounds by the end every of it at least time. every time and i applied to like eight 
So that was my Scottish power and extra wages just whoosh, going out the window. <laughs> exactly. And then, so I, and then I auditioned for Rose Bruford, which is a lovely school and where I eventually ended up going. But mm. I auditioned again, send me back to the winging it thing, as an actor. It was one of my first ones I did. And I, I remember I went in for about a minute. I was in there no time at all. It, they stopped me through both my monologues. Like, oh, thank you. Don't oh. call us, we'll call you. No. And I was, and I left going, well, that was hopeless. Like, did, how they meant to know what I'm like or anything? Like, that was rubbish. And then I had other auditions in other drama schools and some were way better. And I didn't get in, you know, like wow. they talk to you, they're nice, they're lovely. I had some experiences where like there's some drama schools that have really rotten process, shall we say, like you have to do it in front of, you know, the 40 people that you're there and they 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 tell you to pick certain monologues. So you hear the same monologue 30 oh, odd times. It's ble- like, and then you're overthinking it going, oh, it's rubbish. Well, yeah, of course you should, because you're watching them. You're literally oh, watching no. them. Like, what's going on? So That's anyway... Cool. And then I got a recall for Rose Brifford. I was like, what's going on here? And <laughs> it was for a minute. <laughs> I know. It was ridiculous. And then I um I went back in and now the recall was a, a voice workshop, like classroom environment and a movement workshop. And they were watching you. And then basically they would put your name up on a post on a pillar in reception if you got another recall off the back of that. Maybe. American films. Yeah, it's really naff. Really naff. And likewise, you'd be like, oh, you know, you made friends with, you know, Johnny. And, uh, (laughs) oh, Johnny, your name's no up there. You know? (laughs) So, like, that was it. So I got my my recall, and that recall was the interview, followed by another wee monologue. So I went in. Mm. The first question was, so whereabouts in Scotland, you fit? This wee man, cheeky cheeky Ian Ricky, as we called him, he's from Edinburgh. Okay. Lovely man. Very, 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 very cool, cool human being. Nice man. Anyway, so how do we chat with him? He said, You got any questions? I said, Yeah, what? I keep seeing this um, BA on's actor musician thing. What's that? And he was like, Oh, don't tell me you play an instrument. And I was like, Actually, I play Actually, quite no. a few. And um, he was like, Right, hold your horses, wait a minute. And he disappeared for a minute and uh, came back in with the head of actor musicianship. And but I didn't know that at the time. I said, "Hello, mm. uh, uh, Michael Jeremy, very amazing uh, guy as well." And he took me into a room, and it was full of instruments. And he was like, "What do you play?" And I was like, "Do a bit of that, a bit of that." And he was he was like, "So what have you prepared?" And I was like, well, "I haven't prepared anything. Like <laughs> I just, literally just asked." I was doing an acting audition and I just happened to say, what's acting musician? Because I've never heard that before. That sounds made up and nonsense. So we had a jam. We literally, he's just like, all right, well, do you know um, Stevie Wonder Superstition? I was like, yeah. And he was like, take it away. And then that was it. So I picked that and I got in. But again, this is the blagging it thing, the winging it. Like you speak to my course mates and they would have, they all fretted over a piece of music or whatever, like they got their clarinet or their piano thing, really. And I just went in and was like, oh, I'll just jam for a bit. So, yeah. But it was a great school and it was full of people like that. And there was a few people like me. So they got the best of both in terms of yes. musicians who are like textbook, like so mm. good. Like you put anything in front of them and they'll play it. And yeah. then you get people like me like, oh, it's an A. So we'll just jam for a bit. There's so much creativity involved in that. And it's lovely to hear that they did embrace that. And it wasn't just, you know, you have to... 
Oh yeah, no, it was a proper jamming school, and it was really col- there was it. so much collaboration because Rose Bruford not only teaches, not not only has drama courses, mm-hmm. but it's got costume, it's got scenic arts, it's got sound design, lighting design, it's got stage management, all yeah. these incredible courses. So when we put on a show, we've got a team. I don't know if it's changed. I hope not, but it was so so good because of that. And of course, when you graduate, you meet all these people again. The amount of them that are working, it's incredible. So it's not just a great school for acting, but if you want to do anything in the technical side, spot on, honestly. And our big shows, the sets that were built for us because we had the students and the lighting and the sound and the costumes, like it was all there. You know? level. Yeah. Yeah. schools, it's just acting. I guess you got into the big bad world and being able to diversify like you can must be just such an excellent skill to have because in the real world trying to get jobs, you need to be able to work with other people. You need to be able to collaborate. You need to be able to bring people's vision to life. And if you've just been in your bubble yes. doing one thing, I can imagine it's quite difficult for people to to then branch out and then actually put their you know the practice into practice. Absolutely. <laughs> no, you, you, you've got to respect every single person in the arts. And Rose Bruford taught you that. It's a jigsaw of all these important elements. You were always the last person to find out that you were even cast or uh, like the lines, the script, whatever it is, because the theatre design students got it right away. They knew that I was playing that role. So they started sketching out and then they would send the costume ideas to the costume people and they would start sketching out the set. And and then right at the end, it'd be like, so you're like you're like 5% of this huge thing that's been mm. built and and then you just stand and and, and say words. And do the acting in that. <laughs> say words. <laughs> and that actor musical kind of thing. Have you been then able to take that and translate that into your career thus far? Have you had the opportunity to embrace all of that loveliness of being able to pick up an instrument and make it sing? So the first the first big job I did, I worked for uh, in a Bill Kenwright musical, um, which is the guy behind like Dreamboats and Petticoats and all these yes. things. So I did. It's sister show, which was a lovely show called Save the Last Dance for Me. I was the drummer in that. Yeah, it was a six-month tour all over the UK. So that was the Christmas. So I did I did very well. I came out of drama school and I only kind of had to wait till Christmas before getting a job. So yeah, and and because it was off the back of Dreamboats as well, like these kind of shows, like they're sold out, you know, and like they're not going to change your life, these shows. Like there's no denying it, okay? They're, they're lovely, they're feel-good, great music. We had some really cool tunes in that. And then I got another wee job whilst I was doing that one. So I was like, oh, is it is it this easy? Is this how it works? <laughs> um, little did I know. Thanks, Uh I was in a fantastic actor-musician production, probably one of my favourites, Our House, which was a madness musical. Yes. Cool actor Love musical. that show. A lot of fun doing that. That was another six, six months tour. And I, I got to do some fight choreographing in that. I say choreographing. It was two punches. But because I decided to take drama school, I did a certificate. I I got an advanced stage combat certificate. That allows me, under equity, to get paid a wee bit more to be a fight captain. Just wee bits that, like, help you, you know? Of course, yeah. This keeps it interesting for you. Of course it does. And, of course, it means, like, when you do a show and someone's like, oh, has anyone got a stage combat qualification because we need a fight captain? You put your hand up and, you know, it's great. So I, I did that. I was on the trumpet a lot of the time for that, a bit of drums. So that was a great show. We met some really cool people. We even met the writer, who's um, Tim Rice, 
and we met Madness as well. They came to see it, and oh, just it was a lovely, really nice show, really fun, so energetic because it's Madness. Then I got another job, and I was like, "This is obviously what happens." No, it's not Stuart. Don't be so naive. Uh, I did a tour of Kidnapped, Robert Louis Stevenson, Mm -hmm. which I love. Because I read it when I was wee, and because I used to go camping on the Isle of Mull, and the beach that David Balfour is meant to be marooned on is off Isle of Mull, and we used to go to that beach all the time. It's called Balfour Bay now. Anyway, so I did Kidnapped, which was great, another six months tour, and I was doing a lot of fighting in that because that is a Scottish Jacobite adventure. Mm. I was David Balfour, the boy who gets kidnapped, and um, then he sort of befriends a Jacobite, and the rest of it is running about evading redcoats in the Highlands. I just love that, because I'm a history geek, a massive history geek. Uh, One of my in-between jobs is I do history workshops. So that I think that really started there, because I I got really engrossed in Jacobean history and politics, try to figure it all out yeah well that's the thing you know a show like that you wouldn't i would have thought you would need to have done your research to well, really these people talk about yeah. it the way we talk about boris or trump or Aye. we know what we're talking about so i'm not a method actor by any means but if you want to be in the world a bit and that was great there's a bit of guitaring in that but mostly it was a full-blown acting and small cast it was one of these ones where like the the lead so me i stay put and everything else kind of happens around me so I just didn't yeah. leave the stage and I just get battered for two hours every night which was great but <laughs> I feel it was like full sickle with you that wee boy with your stick <laughs> I, that's it. But it was a metal one because I was fighting with my Scottish Jacobean broadsword with the basket yes. hilt uh yeah it was beautiful a lot of fun and I, I had some fantastic castmates some really cool people and then I've done a few more jobs since, but what happened was I started getting a wee bit, del- not deluded, I got a wee bit like, I really liked doing Kidnapped and I liked mm-hmm. doing the acting and I was a bit like, mm, the actor musical thing's not doing it for me as much anymore. The problem with actor musicals, when it's done really well, it's it's phenomenal and it's special and it's magical and it's brilliant. But a lot of it is you're a musician in costume and you've got like three or four lines. Yeah. You, you kind of lose your mind stuck behind the drums or whatever. So I got a wee yeah. bit like fussier with what yeah. I was going up for. So yeah, and then I do wee bits and bobs, like smaller jobs. And the, the, the smaller the jobs, uh, the more I was like not being able to line things up. So then things start to dw- fizzle out for a bit, which was mm-hmm. fine, you know. Well, it's just the nature of the beast in it. Obviously, just now, <laughs> there's no work. But apart, you know, in normal times, we're not in the middle of a pandemic. It can be you know just the right time and then sometimes it's just not and it's the unpredictability of it are you okay with the unpredictability of it all yeah i'm okay you've got to get a wee job in between that you like that's the key like i've had some really really like i'm one of these people have worked in such ridiculous places because i'm not i'm not i'm not not too proud to work you know so i'll always get a job so i moved from london out to kent so I'm now in Tunbridge Wells. It's very, very posh. It's lovely. Oh, very nice. It is. It's a nice wee, like, nice wee place. And I moved out there after kidnapped. And um, I ended up working for the planning department of Tunbridge Wells Borough Council. And then I was in electoral services and I've worked in cafes. But right now, as I said, I'm doing these history workshops. And they really, it's just acting. They're 20 to 45 minute long 
monologues, essentially. <laughs> so I'll be a Roman or a Celt or a Viking or a Greek. We go right up to World War Two. My favourites are like, I like the ancient stuff a lot more. So I love Vikings and I love Romans and Anglo-Saxons. I really enjoy doing that. The teaching in, in secondary schools, I don't really enjoy because it is brutal. Primary school is lovely. So yeah, you've just got to find a nice wee job because otherwise you can get really down and get, get a nice wee project as well. And all those things, all those jobs in between and all the things you're doing, they will be feeding back into what you do for a profession. Do you know what I mean? You're acting because you're just, you're living your life. You're getting experiences. So many experiences, so many stories, so many <laughs> ideas, characters. Just meeting different people is brilliant. It inspires you for wee, wee ideas, you know. Definitely. Oh, that character, God, remember him from the council. Oh, that actually would fit yeah. really well that kind of <laughs> that kind of human in this situation because it is mimicking isn't it really <clears throat> so i've done well with the kind of acting and actor muso stuff in that sense like i've managed to do enough of it eventually ended up getting a job in a band in the odd socks yes so that took a while it took me a long time to kind of figure that out it's amazing oh it's a lot of fun it's, it's it looks so much like fun. and it, it sort of made me fall back in love with that to musically bits again i did a show about dusty springfield it was a bit of a flop and that really put me off it i was like Thank i don't want to go near act to musical stuff again i want to do a nice play i want to do some telly since having done telly now i'm like i want to do theater again um no, look, I think but, you, but that's the thing you are, you've got that option because you know, yeah. you are a jack of all trades, like you said. Theatre is the real stuff. Theatre is the, the, the buzz and theatre is the bouncing off another actor properly. I, right there in the moment, that one time you get to say it, done. And that, um, the collective conscious, consciousness, bleh, collective consciousness. Yeah. Of everybody wanting to be watching that story with you. And at the audience and the cast there. So theatre is amazing in that sense. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to be repetitive and technical and uh, 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 and to be in the like these people are like in the moment all the time on telly. That is really tough. I don't know how. I don't. You know what you learn when you do it because I, I haven't done an awful lot until mm. just there, and even that's nothing compared to you know. But you you start to realise it's all about hitting your mark. Doesn't matter what you do. Just get to that spot because otherwise they're not going to see you. Maybe that was what my problem was when I was an extra. Maybe I didn't yeah. hit my mark. You didn't hit your mark with your back. <laughs> you turn around. So you got to hit your mark. And then when you're doing the stuff off camera to the like, you've just got to stand really close to the camera. and like. So it's just wee things like that. You're just like, this, oh. this, this, this. And then if you're acting with someone doing that, it, it's all very distracting. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're professionals and we get on, but it's just one of these things. That it's like uh, it's just a different way of working, it's a totally different skill. But it goes out to the masses, doesn't it? So it's you know that's that's the there's the rub. When I was saying I was being fussy, I started like batting away even auditions for things because I was a bit like I just don't want to just do what we call a jukebox musical, you know, and sit behind the drum kit. What I noticed there's, there's kind of two types of actors or any my peers anyway, people I went to drum school with. You get people who've worked all the time, tour after tour or whatever it is, jobbing, proper jobbing actors, right? Mm -hmm. That you won't know their names or whatever. They're just working all the time, doing a really good job. And then you get the people who do not work all year, but do one wee cheeky TV job, two weeks filming or whatever, a month's filming, 
but they did it on Vikings or they did it on whatever, you know? Yeah. I was like, what do I want to do? Do I want to be mm-hmm. like that? Do I want to not go up for as much and therefore be more available for things that potentially are bigger? And that's what I did. Things would come through. I'd be like, ah, oh, no. And then it started work because I got a wee audition for Outlander. I didn't get it, but like things like that, like, oh, bigger. Yeah. And then I got odd socks. I auditioned for it when it was just like children's TV presenters are going to put on a band that's going to play five or six gigs in the summer, including Glastonbury. I was like, oh, definitely. Okay, then, sold. <laughs> it was called Andy and the Odd Socks, but we didn't have characters in. It was literally like, we will make something up with what you bring to the table. And so I auditioned for the guitarist, actually, and the drummer, but they kept putting me on guitar. So they obviously had that in mind. And then I didn't get it. I was like, oh, gutted. And then a year later, they got in touch with me saying, would you like to audition for us again? One of our members has left. So they went out, they toured, they did their six gigs, they did their Glastonbury. Like, that was their first gig. <laughs> Jesus, no pressure. They played Glastonbury. Anyway, and then uh, one of the members left. And um, he was called Random Keith. That was his character. He went away to farm alpacas in Argentina or something, right? <laughs> Because he was random. So he was he was very much up the front with Andy, much more than um the rest of the band initially, in terms of like he was like the kind of goofy comic sidekick. So they were like, Can you audition for random Keith? But he plays keys. And I was like, Oh, I'm not that good at keys. I could play I can play chords and I can do a wee bit of bass on my left hand, but I can't do I can't I'm not like proper, proper. But I really want to meet them again because I had a great time last year when I auditioned for them. And um, this year, maybe it'll go on to bigger and better things. More concerts, more this, more that, whatever. Mm. And uh, at the time, I had, a, I had a big beard. And I remember looking at the picture of the band that had been there, that version of Andy and the Odd Sox going, everyone looks so fresh and lovely and squeaky clean and cute and beautiful. You're all a bunch of beautiful people. And uh, I've got this beard. But I was like, but I don't want to take it off just for an audition because I like my beard. And uh, I remember looking at the breakdown and it was like, you're funny, you're wacky, you're like the compare with Andy, you're this, you're that, you're outrageous. Just be as funny as possible. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, and show us your party trick. Oofed. I was like, well, I don't have a party trick. My party trick is, I'm Scottish and I play quite a few instruments. And I can sword fight. <laughs> well, this is it. So I'm sitting there going, what should I do? I'm Scottish. I'll go in my kilt. So I went to my audition, literally booted down the door in my kilt. <laughs> Hello! You have a beard. A beard. And <laughs> we're just going nuts. Like I just, I was doing just outrageous just yeah. whatever, whatever they flung at me and I was just being as silly as possible. So the first part of the edition was um, just talking and doing all these games. And then we had to go and the recall, which I got, was music. And I was last. So I heard everyone before me because we did it in a music studio. I heard everyone play the piano who are phenomenal. There's people who I know who I've worked with in the past in various shows were doing mm. these amazing pieces of music. And I hadn't... A I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I went in for my audition, my music edition, and I sat there, and I didn't know what I was going to put. And they were like, "Look, just, just, we want you to just jam with us." That I can do. 
Well, I can jam, but not in the piano. Not really, unless it's like C, F, and G. I'm fine. They're like, we want you to like lead the group in this jam, though. You're gonna just just tell us what to do and do. So I looked around the room, and I had this moment of in my head. I'm just like, just doesn't matter. Just be as funny and ri- ridiculous as possible. Basically, you can't make any mistakes because if you make a mistake, it's part of the the joke. So it's fine. Yes. And suddenly, I had this like moment of. I remember that wee tune that we learned in Loch Gilpid High School on the keyboard. And I played The Lion Sleeps Tonight. <laughs> yes! Just so stupid. I just looked at them. I went, everybody, give me a D chord. And it was like, D. It's like, give me a G, G. Give me an A, A. And then I was like, in the jungle. Like, really naff. Like, awful elevator music meets, like, terrible reggae. Like, oh, anyway. <laughs> This is, and I was playing it with my head. You know, I had my foot up the keyboard. I was just absolutely ridiculous. So I got the part. Um, but they were like, but we're, you're not a random Keith. Your humor isn't, a, you're not like a random Keith. You're more um, ridiculous and, and eccentric. We'll, we'll create a whole new character for you, but you got to keep the kilt. <laughs> That's such a good story. You know, yes. But I love how that, just in that moment, that, we song from high school just like literally just arrived. I don't know where that came from. I was literally like because I learned one of their songs to play mm-hmm. for the audition, which I think we would have done. So that's what I thought was going to be the the keyboard playing part of the audition. Yeah. So I got the job, but there was far superior <laughs> in terms of keyboard playing. But it was it was meant to be. Even the band manager was like, "We wanted you last year, but the the guitar players that they got was just better." And he he is, he's just better. And um, this part really suits me in terms of like my energy and my vibe. And I, I like the idea of even if I'm not really the best pianist, I'm still up front a lot, just being like silly, you know, being yeah, yeah. The, being a bit of a clown which suited me. just all meant to be, and it's not always about being the best at that instrument. You know, the fact that you are a jack of all trades and you have so much experience, a wealth of experience behind you, and you have just got that attitude, like, right, I'll just get in the mix, I'll just jam it out, be in it and get a bash. I always enjoy myself in auditions. There's very few that I'm like, oh, that was terrible. Like, I'll come out of auditions and my agent will give me a phone or whatever, and I'll be laughing, and he'll be like, what's so funny? I was like, oh, we just had a great time in there. You know, that, that there's a wee secret, you know. Distract them with being charming and silly and funny. So they're like, God, he was really funny. What was his monologue like? Oh, probably rubbish, but he's really funny. <laughs> I was just singing, oh, terrible, but he's really, really nice. You know, anyway, so distract them with just nonsense and you might even get the job, which is what I've done for the past eight years. Um, well, this is the thing, and it, you know, don't do yourself a disservice. Obviously, you are the right person for the right job, but like we said, people buy people, and people have to work with you. You have to be like nice to be around, and you have to have that creative element, and you have to have that kind of like, yeah, let's make this happen. Yeah, that that's all important, and it goes a long way. Just obviously, the fact that you go into an audition and you do enjoy yourself, people will get that vibe back from you. Like you know, he had a lovely time. Like it wasn't totally stressful and like ruining your life. Do you know what no. I mean? Because I'm guessing people do have complete meltdowns. Yeah, and I think you're just like that's so hard to put yourself through that on a regular basis. It is tough, and and I'm out of practice with it. Everyone will be right now, but I'm especially yeah. out of practice it, having done odd socks. Because I'm 
well, I'm committed to doing this, so I haven't mm. needed to go and do a, a tour or whatever. So if anything ever comes up, which it does, not as much. I, I do feel it a bit now because it's like, oh, I'm well out of practice of it. But then when I do it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's nice meeting you people. So anyway, yeah, so Odd Talks, and I've been, so that was concert, touring away, great time. Festivals, you know, festival, oh, just amazing festivals up and down the country. Venues, um, played in Glasgow. I think you've got the best of both worlds, like the telly part of it, which you're saying is very specific and very alien. But then you've got the live element, which, you know, playing in bands for years, that was your, that was your comfort. Oh, I'm having a great time. Hi. Some of these stages are, they're huge. So I feel like I'm a proper rock star. Because at first it was just a, just very much a live band. We are a live rock band for kids playing original music. Um, the writers and Andy and everything, they're, they're really clever people who write these songs and, they're so much fun to play because they're not twee. We're trying to make it cooler. I say cooler. We've gone to a lot of festivals where, <laughs> like, the other children's acts, it's literally just two people on stage and an MP3 player playing. The backing tracks are playing and they're doing their songs and they're dancing and that's it. And some of them are some of them are fun and, like, more disco-y and some of them are literally dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee. And then we come on and... With actual instruments. Literally like a Foo Fighters concert. <laughs> melting faces of children like at first people didn't know what was going on like you would see them and it was just such a joy to watch adults and kids literally jaws dropping because they're like what kids like just like it's noisy and loud and scary and but it's amazing and then by the end they're just they're having a, like they're just moshing like we'll turn up to a big, a huge festival, but maybe we're doing like the kids' tent, or or what tends to happen is maybe we'll like open the main stage, which is amazing when that gets to happen. <laughs> yes, but what will happen is people will go, oh, children's band. So you'll see it, the sound engineer on his desk, and then what will happen is Moxie, our fabulous drummer, will start warming up, and she is one of the best drummers I've ever worked with in real, real, real life. <laughs> The sound guys are like, you can see them, all the stagehands, all the techies. They're like, round the curtain, like... actually play the drums. that? I mean, honestly, we did a festival one year and uh, we turned up and nobody was there. And it was chucking it down. No sound person, nothing. Like, what's going on? And then eventually he turns up, very late, and we're bringing in all our gear, like, right, we need to get going. And he's mucking about at his sound desk. We've set up and we're sort of waiting because the next part is we'll get mic'd up we do a sound test and he's not talking to us about that at all and we're like can we do can we do a sound test he's like oh yeah check your mics you'll be okay well like, no but what all the instruments and that he's like what what do you mean i thought you all i thought you'll mind it and he was like it's funny that because i saw her playing the drums there and i thought god she's really good <laughs> why, she, why would you have to mime oh my goodness and you're like we'll play and now we're, we're late and we could see the people out and it was chucking it down and it was it was a big tent so we've quickly did a sound check and melted everyone's faces again. And there's so many influences in there. You know, we've got Chili's, we've got David Bowie, we've got, um, I think there's a lot of it that kind of feels a bit like Beastie Boys or Rage Against the Machine. Andy likes rapping. I say rapping, I use that term very loosely. Uh, but speaking fast in some kind of tune. So it, it kind of suits his style, that kind of singing, which kind of sounds like my old tame Beastie Boys. So some of the songs are just... So much fun to play. The riffs these people come out with like just great fun. So we we were we were doing very well as a live rock band. And then we played a concert 
under the BBC's umbrella, which was a big game changer um, because I, they were quite separate entities for a while. And I think originally they might have just wanted Andy because Andy does dinosaur rapping. I mean, Andy's a bit of a hero, really. Like, if I had someone like him when I was five years old, I would have probably been a paleontologist. Like, because I, I wanted to be a paleontologist anyway when I was five because of Jurassic Park. But one of his biggest shows is him going back in time to the time of the dinosaurs and learning about them. And it's amazing. And it's a proper wee adventure as well. So it's super educational. And he gets to you know, climb on the back of a stegosaurus and whatever it is. So just great fun. But so he can, he also does a uh, raps about dinosaurs. That's like as a concert. So he can, so I think they might have wanted him, but he said, no, I want my band to play. And so we did. And they put it on telly, just a wee minute of it. And that changed things. And I think that got everyone's juices going, this could be like the monkeys. Yeah, well, it's such a cool concept. Like, it's not something you see every day no. on telly these days, no. you know. So eventually, when we were doing a big Christmas concert in Manchester, we pitched it to the BBC. We literally went in and we're like, this is what we want to do. There was a big team and we got it. We got the we got the commission. We did it. And it was like, what? And then we filmed a TV it. series. That's mental. And it's, it's a ridiculous TV series. It's, it is like Scooby-Doo. It's like the IT crowd. It's like, I think it's like, that's what I think it's most like. Yeah. Kind of the IT crowd and Scooby-Doo and the monkeys. It's a wee bit Flight of the Concords, but it's because it's, we're we're trying to help everybody, you know. That's the whole concept of the show is we're going on odd jobs. A, a fan of the band will have a problem and we need to get it fixed. And doing that, a song comes out of it. And all these songs are songs that we play at our concerts. So it's like, you know, your kids will watch the show, fall in love with the band, hopefully, and then be like, I want to see them. And it's it's music for kids. Like sometimes stuff that's in the charts and stuff like stuff that young people listen to. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm very old school and oh, teaching I'm, dance. Like the stuff I use is, is always like ancient. The kids are like, why are we not doing something in the charts? I'm like, because it's not appropriate. <laughs> I know it really is. It's something happened. I don't know what it is, but I'm so aware of it. And there's a there's a children's band that sort of um, is in the same touring circuit as us, and they do covers of those songs, but child friendly, and they are they are huge. This band is massive but, um, yeah. because of that, because there's so many yeah. of these songs that kids want to listen to and dance to, but their mums and dads won't play it because it's talking about. <laughs> Who can up yeah. with someone or, you know, whatever. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, and I know there's obviously a sense of innocence, you know, like, I was listening to Alanis Morissette when I was younger and not understanding. Oh, of course. Everything. It definitely wasn't explicit, as explicit as... No, I don't it think it was. more yeah. implied yeah. Uh, and subtle, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's... No, I think it's really cool that there is a band, you know, because promoting the arts to kids is important as well like music pick up an instrument when we do our meet and greets after these gigs they're all like i'm playing the drums now i'm playing keyboard i'm doing it we get sent, video. We get sent photos we get sent all this stuff kids dressed up as me literally as me because i wear a hat and glasses in the show and i have tartan trousers and i've got a kilt <laughs> because i'm from scotland uh <laughs> But the bass player always says to me, he goes, are you, are you Scottish? All the time. Like, <laughs> Thanks, no, that's so cool, though, just to be inspiring young people to enjoy music, live music as well. So there's that live element, but like playing an instrument is so important. Like, look what it's done for you. Oh, it's, it's amazing. That's quite cliched, but it really is amazing when 
you meet the fans and it is like they 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 really do want to be like you and they really want to play the keyboard and they want to play the drums and like there's going to be <laughs> a generation in about 10 years of like 15 year old drummers who are all female because yeah. we've got a female drummer and it blows people's minds. And that would just be so rewarding for you, like that you've been able to bring all your passions together. It's a job and that's important too and it pays the bills and all the rest of it. But there's that other element to it, you know, that oh. you are like inspiring young people. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? massive element. Mind blowing sometimes. It's, it is, ab- yeah. Like, and people come from far and wide now to see us, which is quite amazing. And whatever you go on to next, you know, however long that yeah. goes on for, and do you, I mean, like, that's just like another wonderful memory, something that you've done, like a moment in your life where it's another like, ridiculous story I can tell. I like the way it was, you know, it was like the stars were aligned, you know, you auditioned and it didn't happen the first time, and then they, they asked you back, and that wee song from high school, and yeah, I know. And people think, oh, that, that's like a movie that doesn't happen, it does, mm. but yeah, so it's 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 great. And um, so the TV show came out this year in february it's on iplayer now you can watch it um please watch it and uh (laughs) but here's the rub so it's like balls were rolling things were starting to you know and uh, we had a huge tour booked this year off the back of the telly show you know and um we've done a few stints on other like being guest artists and other things there's a fantastic saxophonist called yolanda and we were on her show. She's got a children's music show. Hers is much more educational. She's like the Jules Holland for kids. That's how I can best explain her. Nice one, right? She's actually been on Jules Holland herself as an actual. She's just the such a good saxophone player, a saxophonist. So we were a guest on her show. Uh, that was great. We were on a, a Radio 1 TV show as well. They've got called The Playlist. So we're starting to get these wee bits. And uh, big tour glastonbury this year because i didn't get to play it last year because or the year before because i didn't get the part so i was like oh glastonbury so we all know what happened in march because i'm meant to be filming series two right now as well you know so it's just wee things like that you're like ah it was it it will pick up it will pick up we've been doing virtual gigs they are uh really really quite difficult like i feel like the odd socks can definitely do online lessons on how to do it because we've we've done yeah. so much of it and we've also like because obviously there's an element of magic as well we might be talking to the people next to us so and, oh talking down there oh, up there whatever it is yeah because we're all in the wee squares we've got to do all that in our own heads so we're not actually talking to the members of the band <laughs> <laughs> you're like this is the magic of zoom it's really tough so- and it's that's the thing that we've all had to embrace the online thing to a degree but when you're wanting to keep your actual like career alive like and the arts alive mm. which obviously has been so important for so many people like you know this is definitely explained to people how important the arts are when okay. we can't go to theaters and gigs and stuff now people are like oh yeah that was quite an important thing <laughs> you know and you're like and we're trying to keep it alive in some way shape or form so yeah just embracing the the online virtual world oh, this is it so we'll see what happens next with it really um you know, there there might be there might be some kind of driving gigs or something like that. You know, because these are becoming the trend. Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing anyway. that. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it, we've got enough ideas, I think, to keep everyone still entertained. And because we're outrageous and silly, we can kind of be anywhere and do something 
and put it online and uh, we do we do all our stuff in our houses or we'll go outside or we do things you know um, but you've got like an actual like yeah. you know music shop so that music shop you wanted to go to that is really funny my band manager calls it my music shop is that right yeah. <laughs> which I've never called it. I just usually call it my music corner or whatever. But so I finally got to work in my music shop. Um, yeah, it's a really nice job. I'm um, really nice, just thing to do. You know, it's just I get your vibe and your energy for it. Like oh, yeah. you're just oozing, oozing like positivity and just excitement and energy. It's all coming through. It, it really is. And like you're an amazing storyteller. Like you've just had me totally like gripped i've loved it the salmon story especially oh, <laughs> that's not even the full version you got to, you got to do these experiences you got to work you got to yeah and i'm always interested in people uh, and their stories as well and if someone else could tell a good story i'm just i'm, I'm hooked you know i've got a lot of friends that i could just sit and listen to all day because it's just nonsense you know this but- is why i started the podcast Stuart. this is why i started the podcast i'm just really nosy so yeah, no, it's nice to hear that you're doing what you love and loving what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You gotta find you gotta find wee things, don't you? You gotta find a project. What's your lockdown project been? Have you got a good one? Um I started learning sign language. How's that going? Is it good? Um it was going really well. I think as a like a dancer, I was retaining it really well because it just felt like choreography. I've let it slide. Uh, my now next one is to my left, which is a podcast studio in my cupboard. Oh, I did a my wee voiceover job that I did. Yes. Oh, wild about her, Kyle. That was in my cupboard, thanks to my clothes and my shoes. It was very, um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I need a, I need a wee a wee booth. If, um, yeah. Well, I did a voiceover for a friend um, for his blog, and I was in the duvet, okay. and the duvet was hitting the microphone, and I was like, no. I've I've had a few wee voiceover jobs um, in my time, and some of them have some of them are they have that link. the The quality is that good that they can just record anywhere. And that's that. I like doing voiceovers. Actually, it's it's um it's a nice. Well, I'm new to it, but it's something like that I did enjoy doing. And then when I send it back, and then you know, all get edited and put onto a video, whatever. And a few people were like, "Is that you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." It's weird. It's weird when you hear yourself. My voiceover agent at the time was like, "Cause I used to be like, oh, should I do like an American accent or RP or whatever?" And they're like, "No. If I'm going to use American, I'm going to pick." You know, my pal who's American. So <laughs> there's like two versions of my voiceover. There's there's like rough street edgy, a bit more like that. Everything's a bit more like kind of quicker and everything's, you know, a bit more. And then there's the the smooth visit Scotland, you know. And that's it. And that's literally it. So I've I've done a Tesco advert that was basically like that. You might have even heard it. Oh, yes, I heard that one. Mm. I did. I heard it. And uh, and then oh, I did like a, a, I did a voiceover in the Commonwealth Games that was a bit more like, oh, do you know, so that's it. You're not going to, you're probably not going to get any more diverse than that in terms of like, actual voiceover work because they'll just pick the person who's actually English or Irish or whatever. So you yeah, got I'm, a, not gonna be, uh, I'm not going to be looking to do any accents for sure. No. Like that's not my forte. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I'll leave it to the professionals <laughs> like yourself. But you've got a booth. That's a really nice, that's a nice. Well, nearly, nearly it's getting there. So it's, yeah. Hey, my my project's been a fish tank. I bought a fish tank. And we're back to fish. <laughs> There'll be no salmon in there, but underbites though. No, 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 no. Endler's guppies. <laughs> Uh, and shrimp, ah. loads of shrimp. I bred yes. them, and I've got eighteen of them now, babies. Oh 
my word. Mm. I like animals. I'm a, I'm a big animal geek. I'm loving how you, you got into this because I was going to take you smoothly and you've just done it brilliantly. This is the profession. And you, I was going to smoothly take you on to what I call the thingamabobs, which are just random questions. Oh, boy, then do some thingamabobs. To pick out. But you've already literally answered one of the ones that I, I picked out for you, which was what is your current obsession? And I feel that... Oh, definitely fish- my fish tank's my current obsession. <laughs> it is a mammoth job. Yeah, I guess I do have wee things like that. Like, I'll get it in my head. Like a couple of years ago, I was growing chilies. Like I chopped up a chili one night making a stir fry and I thought, I'll just put the seeds in a pot and see what happens. And I ended up having six chili plants that were, they kind of came up to my, like my hip. And I, I think I, I think I got almost a hundred chilies off them. Like just ridiculous. I didn't know what to do with them. So I chopped them all up, put them in the freezer. I even sewed. <laughs> you know, when you go to these like tapas restaurants and you see the chilies all like, I, yes. I even did that. It didn't does doesn't look quite as good as that. But yeah, so right now it's my um my wee fish tank. Sure, I feel like that's like a metaphor for your life. Like I just chucked seeds in a pot and I grew all these amazing plants. Do you know what I mean? Like that's just you're just like, ah, we'll get a bash, we'll chuck your seeds in a pot, we'll see what happens. And you've obviously just got the skills to grow chilies oh, as well as so much research. There's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of I'm of course, man. There's a lot of Wikipedia and Google. But you're not really just getting in there and getting the research done and making it happen. But that that becomes an obsession as well. You end up, you spend four days reading about something and then you go, should I buy that thing that doesn't cost me that much money, but I've spent that much time dwelling over it and you read everything under the sun. Ah, you're just just, uh, just having a a wee fish tank, just keep me going. Nice plants, grass. I've got moss growing. I've got oh, loads. Of, and uh, as I said, I've got I've got lots of shrimp and a snail, a nice sweet snail. Oh, nice. You got to have a cleaning crew, you know. <laughs> you do. Have your jannies in your fish tank. Jannies <laughs> uh, in the fish tank. Yeah, and I guess playing instruments is a wee bit of of a obsession at the moment. I put it down when it gets a bit overwhelming because again, I can just get engrossed, and because I'm not really a keyboard player, and because there's been so much more technical stuff lately. I've had to learn things that I wouldn't have even gone anywhere near, even just to be in the odd socks, but especially now with all this lockdown stuff, you know? So I'll spend days reading up about various software and, uh, yeah, like, what am I reading? Do I even know anymore? I just want to play. What is my life? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good thing, Bob, though. What's your obsession at the moment? I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure you've had the opportunity to do this many a time in all the shows and all the things you've worked on. But if you could read any costume department of any film or any show, which one would it be? So my my girlfriend's a costumer. She's a seamstress. So she's done some amazing things. She's worked on like Marvel films. She's like Beauty and Beast. She's done what? Tarzan. You know, the new one. She made Jane's outfit, you know, Margot Robbie's outfit, which was beautiful and intricate, Edwardian sleeves, really buttons. And and of course, it's just torn up the whole film. It's like, if I knew that, God. I wouldn't have spent ages making the sleeves. So, Goodness. Um, what would, what, 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 what? Because oh. like Game of Thrones, it's got some just phenomenal costumes. Outlander, because I love my Jacobites. I'd love to wear a proper... A proper traditional Highland kilt. The one that's right. like, you know, 400 miles long yes. um, that you have to roll yourself up in. 
Uh, yeah, I, I reckon it'll be something medieval for sure. I just mm. love that. It's just so different. Um, go with Game of Thrones because there's a like kind of very there's there's metal, there's armor, and there's also some cool leather and you know outfits that are pretty exciting. Nice. We'll do that for a time. And the last question that I ask everyone, so I switch with these all about, but the last question I ask everyone is, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? I feel like this is going to be another one. <laughs> I mean, we've we've spoken now almost two hours. Um, <clears throat> I've actually been asked if I'm still around. I do you understand what I do? I tell stories. It takes a long time. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm delighted. So my dad lives in Campbelltown. That's where he's from, um, mm-hmm. from a wee place called Clachan. And uh, Campbelltown people, who I love dearly, no offence to you all, have fantastic, fantastic words. Uh, things that even my pals in Glasgow are like, what are you talking about when I say them? When I first moved up, went to Stowe, and I'd come out with my wee Tuchter things. <laughs> I was like, away back to the woods. Um, way back to the hills. So in Campbelltown, the, the locals, not all of them, most of them, they say hoot instead of what. They go, what's happening? And they've got a very round sound to their voice. They've got quite round vowels. Very strong accent. It was. This is very typical, stereotypical versions of them. This is not a... Yeah. So they say hoot, hoot's happening. And I, I really enjoy hoot's happening. Uh, That's amazing. They also describe weather, bad weather in particular, which is 98% of the time, as a wylichen. 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 Which I think is wild looking. Wylichen. So anyway, I like wylichen because it's absolutely ridiculous. I like hoot. Hoot's happening. Aye, wylichen. Where were you going when I saw you coming back? You know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of, they're just, they're the kind of people that stop in the street for ages and just talk about the weather or they just, they just, they do the rounds of, aye, all right, aye, 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 all right, aye. And you're like, I don't know what's actually. Don't said anything. <laughs> have they just agreed to something for five minutes or have they actually spoken? I like that. Do you know what I quite like? Because I say it quite a lot down here and people don't have a clue. Hoaching. Yes. Uh, I remember once saying, oh, the ground's hoaching with ants. And people thought there was some sort of, I don't disaster. They didn't know what I'd explained. Everyone got up and ran away, and they're like, "What's wrong with the ants?" And I was like, oh, it's not, "They're hoaching. It's hoaching. They're everywhere." That's a really good one to say down here. But I, don't, I don't think anyone said hoaching on the podcast in yeah. the whole year and a half I've been doing it. Hoaching's a great one. So there you go. Why looking or hoaching? <laughs> Amazing. This has just been a total joy. We start to finish. I've had a lovely time. Oh, thank you. It's like you were saying about going to additions. I've had a lovely time. I know. Great. <laughs> Chatting away. Uh, don't call us. We'll call you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> and I, I got a whole two hours. I mean, you only got a minute. <laughs> Must be doing something right. I know. Sorry, I do like to talk. This is the joy of a podcast, though. These long form conversations. I mean, I think it's really nice just to sit down and blather to somebody and just find out all about them and what makes them tick. And and obviously. You have a whole other life outside of your work. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And as you said, like as we as we talked about, like I don't come from a family of like this yeah. is this is really alien for all my, my dad was a coal man. What did they what does your family make of what I think they're doing? very proud, but I think at first especially there's a lot of like, Are you sure? What's this? How is it? But then of course you do a thing and they're so proud, but when you're not doing the thing, it's like go get another job. You know, they they don't really 
they don't understand it. I think they're proud, but they're a bit like, oh, are you sure? Mm. <laughs> but I guess, like you say, just very, very proud and just be happy to see you doing something that you love, which you clearly do. It oozes out you, do you know what I mean, talking about it. So you're obviously you you're enjoy it. doing it. You've... Yeah, yeah, that's it. You're here once. Mm-hmm. This is it. But, uh, no, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolute joy. I mean, I just, I'm, yeah, I'm dead chuffed that I've got to do something less. It's lovely. And if you ever want to talk for two hours about anything else again, I am here. We can talk about history. We could talk about animals, plants. Uh, I feel like this would just be like another education. Let's do that. I have, to be honest with you, because of lockdown and all that, the amount of walks I've been going on, and because I'm so interested in wildlife, I've got so many photos and videos of creatures that I found. And I'm like, I could, I could maybe do something all this. We do talk about it. Me and my girlfriend, like, oh, you should start a channel and talk about these things. Yes. Who knows? We'll see. That's another obsession, and I'll be there for three weeks just reading up about what to do. Well, we'll just make a plan to come back on the podcast once you've made it happen, right? Okay, deal. So go away and make that lovely thing happen, and then come back, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, go. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.